Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to continue with what we started. Uh, we're doing the last part today, hopefully. The word of God above everything else. And maybe for today's introduction, I just want to ask a question for you to reflect a bit on. <clears throat> I want to th you to think about two kinds of Christians. Okay? Two kinds of Christians or two types of Christianity. There are those Christians who are Christians or who go to church as a ritual and who take their Christianity as a religion. And just, you have to belong to one or other religion. But it's not making any difference in how you are living on this earth. Another group of Christians is those who have really had an encounter with the Lord Jesus as their master. And they are able to master circumstances in this life. And those, the second group, it's not many of them. So that's why here in this church we keep on encouraging you to be grounded on the word so that you will know how to master your circumstances. Because you cannot be over an overcomer in this world unless you take your Christianity seriously, unless you have indeed accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you live by faith. <clears throat> even when Jesus was on the earth, even though he was the Son of God, he still had to live by faith. So you cannot be exempted. There are times sometimes people say, but if God is there, why am I going through this? If God is there, why did that and that happen? You are here and God wants to work through you. Tell your neighbor, you are here. And God wants to work through you. <clears throat> Tell your neighbor, you are an ambassador. You represent the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, you say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's enforcing the authority of where you are coming from. So you're saying, our Father, you are in heaven, but you've placed us here on the earth to make sure that your kingdom comes. So the kingdom of God can take dominion through you. So go with me to the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, New King James Version. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcome the world, our faith. <clears throat> I want you to look at two things there that make you an overcomer. Can you pick the two things that make you an overcomer? It says, it's not everybody who overcomes the world. There's only a selected group that overcomes the world. But what qualifies you to overcome the world? One, Whoever is born of God. So you first have to be a child of God. You first have to have winning genes in you. I always like asking people, why is a horse fast in running? And there are many explanations. But for me, it's because it's got horse genes in it. And those genes makes it a faster animal. Why is a cheetah fast? It's because it's got fast genes in it. Because it's got a cheetah kind of genes. 
So similarly, as a child of God, I've got God's nature in me. So I overcome not because of how hard I struggle. I overcome because of my union with the Lord. That's the first part. The second part says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So it means after being born again, I have to continue to live by faith each day if I want to overcome here on earth. So that's why we said the word of God is very important because you cannot have faith without the word. You need to know what God has said. Many things that are making people discouraged today and many people falling off is because they think they are exercising faith when they don't have a word for it. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 17, New King James Version. Romans 10, 17, New King James Version says, So then faith comes by hearing. Can we all say faith comes? So if faith comes, faith can go. Isn't it? If faith comes, it means faith can go. So faith comes. How does it come? By hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So faith comes, but it doesn't come any other way. It comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I like how this is phrased because the word hearing, it's a continuous tense, isn't it? It doesn't say faith comes by hearing the word once. It, keeps, it comes on hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You keep on hearing the word. You can hear it as I speak it here in church. But the reason why we encourage you even to have some notebook when you come to church, you take some notes. Even when you are at home, keep on speaking that word and hear yourself speaking it. Amen. 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 Okay. Can I just ask you a question? Who do you think you should trust the most? Beside God. I think yourself. I think you should trust yourself the most. Beside God. So therefore if you trust yourself the most. And then you hear yourself saying something. Then you need to believe yourself. I don't know if you're getting me. So, when we say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, you can hear me speak the word. You can hear your neighbor speak the word. But it comes even more better when you hear yourself speaking it. Amen. When you hear yourself saying it. When you hear yourself saying, by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, I am healed. Amen. When you hear yourself saying, my Lord shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you hear yourself saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Amen. Because if you don't do that, you are going to always keep on looking at your circumstances and you are keeping on going to speak your circumstances. Faith doesn't come by speaking your circumstances. Actually, faith goes. When you choose to speak your circumstances or when you choose to walk in fear, faith goes. Because faith and fear cannot stay in the same house. 
That's why you would hear Jesus when people, you remember when the ruler of the synagogue came, talked to Jesus, wanted Jesus to come and heal uh, the daughter. And then people came from her, his house and said, don't trouble the master anymore, your daughter is dead. And the Bible says, Jesus overhearing them, he said, do not be afraid, only believe. Encouraging this man, I want you to stand in faith. So <laughs> it means there are things that will come and want you to be afraid. But stick with the word. Go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 20 to 23. I'm just recapping quickly this and we'll connect it with what we need to finish off today. Proverbs 4, 20 to 23, King James Version. Says, my son, attend to my words. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, I've got to attend to the word of God. Okay, so I want to take that word attend and put it in two ways. Other version says pay attention, means meaning hearken to my word. But you can also take it literally as it is said here, attend to my words. You who are students, you say we are going to attend a lecture. I'm going to attend a meeting. I'm going to attend the word. Amen. He says attend to my words. So it means there should be times when you come and you're trying to look for me and they say, no, the pastor is not available. He's attending to the word. And you know what is surprising? People of this world, they value what they value and they don't want you to disturb them. Do you know that if I'm busy attending a lecture or attending a meeting, people will say, he's in a meeting, don't disturb him. But when you are attending to the word or when you are praying, they don't mind knocking. Isn't it? So they don't think that's very much important. And some of you, by the way, even when you are praying and the phone rings. Hello? Oh, is that so and so? No, wrong number. So if you were indeed attending... Attend to the word or attend to prayer as if you are attending a meeting. That's just a challenge. Because if they found you and they didn't get you, if it's serious, they will have to try again. I'm still attending. Because when we are attending to the word, when you are in prayer, you should be tuned to God's frequency. Tuned to the word, studying the word, even listening and being sensitive to what God wants to say to you. In the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk says, I will stand on a watchtower and hear what he will say within me. Amen. And he says, then the word of the Lord came unto me and he said, write this vision down. So you can only hear God when you are giving yourself time to attend to his word. Pay attention to my word. Incline your ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from your eyes. So what I usually do, even when I know the verse, some of you, you like debating the Bible, isn't it? And have you heard that people usually debate the Bible without opening the Bible? Even when you watch television channels or whatever, people are arguing. No, the word of God says this. The word of God says this. And nobody's opening. And that's where people mislead you. Because they will take a portion 
of what the word has said and twist it to their advantage. So every time when you want to debate the word, you need to say, let's open it. You know where the, the, the untruth about money is the root of all evil came from? It came from a scripture. But the scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now somebody will say to you, you know, money is the root of all evil. The Bible says that. And you believe them. Because you did not read. Okay? But surprisingly, the very same person who says money is the root of all evil, he wants it. <laughs> so if, the, if money is the root of all evil, then get rid of all of it. But if you go to the word, it will tell you the love of money is the root of all evil. So if you are not reading it, you will be misled. And also, if you want the word to get into your heart, you speak it with your mouth, it gets into your heart. You look at it as you study, it's getting into your heart. That's how you get the word in your heart. It says, keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. You see what the word of God does? It says the word of God is life. I find the word of God and it is life to me. But it is also health to all my flesh. The other time I told some of you, that's how some of us get healed. We take the word of God like medicine. Amen. Actually, another version, the Jubilee translation for that very same verse, it says the word is medicine. So it means when I study the word, when I speak the word, when I talk the word about healing, that word infuses itself through me and heals me. Amen. Because God uses his word to heal us, to deliver us. Go with me to the book of Psalms 107 verse 20. Psalms 107 verse 20, New King James Version, it says, He sent his word and, read it with me, He sent his word and healed them. Ask your neighbor, are you, do you need healing? Take the word. It's not, here you can talk about any healing. It might be healing physically where you are sick. Or healing of your circumstances. Or healing of your finances. Or healing of the situation in your family. So he sent his word and healed them. Whenever you find a promise in the word of God, take that and may it be a solution to your problem. So when it says he sends his word and healed them, the second part, and delivered them from their distractions. So it means the Lord wants to deliver me. Tell your neighbor, the Lord wants to deliver you from your distractions. He's sending his word. I remember when the elder was preaching here about the giving, he says, it seems every time when you are in trouble, there is a word. When you've got fair mind, there is a word. When you are sick, there is a word. When there is no peace in your family, there is a word. When you've got a financial need, there is a word. You just need to know what that word is. And take that word and may you apply that word in your situation to heal your situation. Now, what I want us to connect with today, I want you to go to the book of Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59 verse 21. 
And here God is going to give his bond to us. Okay. Let me put it in simple terms. When we came to the Lord, we did not deserve his grace. We did not deserve all the good things that he has in store for us today. We were destined for destruction. We were destined to be tortured and to suffer here on earth. <laughs> when we grew up, there was this Azirigai uh, song called Born to Suffer. How many of you do you remember that? Born to Suffer. I mean, <laughs> born to suffer. Ish. Can we all say ish? Born to suffer. Is that what God says? So it means when people make a human invention, when people talk their experiences as if it's the word, they will tell you, in this world, we are suffering. We are born to suffer. Okay. You did not finish. My Bible says many are the afflictions of the Russians, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. I want to live in a bad era, after a bad. Some of you keep on liking to stay this side. So look at, look at this, the covenant that God has with us. So I like the covenant part because when I come into a covenant with God, I come as I am. You come as you are. God has everything. God is all good. God is all powerful. God has got everything. You are weak. You've got nothing. You're struggling and all that. But he comes to you and say, I want to be in partnership with you. Amen. Amen. And now when you say, this is too good to be true, he says, I'm going to cut a covenant with you. I want to bind myself to you through my word. You remember when we started this, we talked about God exalting his word even above his name. You remember that? So God says, I also want to commit myself to my word. I want to be equally bound to that word. Because when people are in a covenant or when people are in an agreement, it's like when you sign a contract. Both parties are bound. Are you getting that? Both parties are bound to the agreement. So God himself chose because God didn't have to bind himself to his word. He didn't have to bind himself in his relationship with us. But he chose himself to say, I exalt my word even above my name. So I'm watching over my word to fulfill it. I want to be bound to my word. And look at this. Isaiah 59, 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them. <laughs> okay, I'm laughing because when God says, as for me, it means there are other people who say something to you. You've, you've been hearing a lot of things. Like when I said, born to suffer, and you thought that's a gospel. God says, as for me. In other words, you might have heard a lot of things, but as for me, can we all say as for God? <laughs> because he wants to talk for himself. He says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. 
So the spirit of the Lord is on me. And he says, and my words that I've put in your mouth will always be in your lips. So God has covenanted himself with me through two main things. His spirit upon me and his word in my mouth. And when I cooperate with his spirit upon me and his word in my mouth, I will live on this earth just like God is an overcomer all the time. I will be like God. I will have the nature of God even here on the earth. He says, this is my covenant with them. My spirit is on you, will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be in your lips, on the lips of your children, and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever. Why does God say that? Why does God say, as for me, this is my covenant with them forever? He says, if you've got my spirit upon you and you've got my word in your mouth, you are set for life. Even your descendants after you. Amen. That's why people may take anything away from you. But if they leave you with the word, if they leave you with the spirit of the Lord, you are still sorted. Amen. Amen. Because with most of these things in this life, you may lose that and you hear somebody lost that, lost that. But if you leave me with the word and you leave me with the spirit of the Lord, you will be surprised I always stand up again. Because I'm connected to the source. Amen. And like I said, I want to take those two things. The spirit of the Lord upon us and his word in our mouth. And I want you to understand how the spirit works and how the word works so that you can live victoriously on the earth. Okay? Let's explain it using Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1 to... I want to use it in the, anybody, Mr. MJ, you're here today. So can you do us Genesis chapter 1 <coughs> using the amplified, either amplified classic or amplified. Genesis chapter 1 <coughs> from verse 1. I want to show you this because he says my covenant with them is my spirit upon them and my words in their mouth. Okay. I want you to take that so that you understand how that works. And realize that actually if I've got the spirit of the Lord upon me and his word upon me, I have the nature of God with me. I can do anything that God has done. That's why the Bible says, you remember when one man said to Jesus, Jesus, if you can do anything, have mercy on us and heal my, my, my son. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can do anything? All things are possible to him who believes. So he says, if you have God's nature in you, you can act on behalf of God and get things done just like how God did things. So look at it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 3. Do it in the Amplified, Mr. MJ. In the beginning, God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and earth. Yeah. The earth was without form and an empty waste. Okay, let's all say the earth was without form and an empty waste. 
they say there's a word called topsy-turvy. It's like dear Mekar. Can we say the earth was dear Mekar? <laughs> okay, continue. And the darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. So darkness was upon the face of the deep. So it didn't look promising. Okay? Some scholars say actually there's something that happened between verse 1 and verse 2. I don't know how true is that. That God created the heavens and the earth, all good. And then something happened, which then brought the earth to this state that it was in, in verse 2. Because in verse 2, you can see that this was a dear Mekar earth. You see that? It says, darkness was upon the face of the deep. Mm -hmm. The spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. I want that. So, the spirit of the Lord, because we haven't had yet God speaking, but we are hearing the spirit of the Lord being introduced into the scene. It says the spirit of the Lord was brooding, hovering upon the face of the deep. Okay, again, rural area example. You know the hen. The hen. They lay... A hen lays eggs. And if you take that egg and break it, how does it look? Dear Mekar, isn't it? All those jelly things flowing. But if I advise you, don't break it. Let the hen brood over it. 21 days later, what are you going to get? You will get life. You will start hearing, chiu, 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 chiu. from where? From that jelly mixed things. Why? Because the hen has brooded over it. So I want to, because I'm giving a simple example so that you can understand, the spirit of the Lord was brooding. So as the spirit of the Lord is hovering or brooding, is waiting for something to be said so that the spirit of the Lord can manifest it. I want you to understand that because this is the spiritual truth that will help you to walk in victory. When you cooperate with the spirit of the Lord and you are able to use the word. Because some Christians, they say we are word Christians, but they want to walk without the spirit of the Lord. And then they get defeated. And some Christians, they say we are spirit Christians and they want to neglect the word. They get defeated. God says, my covenant with them is about the spirit upon them and the word in their mouth. Are you getting that? So what did God do? Verse 3. Let there be light. And there was light. Yo. So... God's situation was dear Mekar. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. But the spirit of the Lord was hovering. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So God says, my covenant with you is exactly like that. I want you to cooperate with my spirit who is hovering upon you, hovering upon your circumstances, waiting for the wait. And then, what are you going to say? Let there be 
light, and then there will be light. So imagine if God said, it's very dark. It's too dark. What would have happened? There would be light. Huh? So do you see now why your situation remains dark? Huh? Do you see why your finances are not getting any better? Huh? You're keeping on speaking darkness where there is darkness. And the Spirit of the Lord cannot bring anything to fruition there because you are not cooperating with God. You are using the tools of the enemy because the enemy is the one who wants you to be defeated. So can I challenge all of us? Can we all come to that point where if I don't have anything to say, I'd rather keep quiet. But I'm not going to speak words that are going to take me back. I'm not going to speak words that will make my enemy happy. I'm not going to speak words of saying, I'm so sick and this sickness, you know, all our families, they've got diabetes and they die and all that and all that. I'm not going to speak that. Amen. So don't speak it because when the spirit of the Lord is hovering, he's waiting for a God kind of word. So that when you speak that word, then he can bring that word to pass. Look at this in the book of Numbers. There's something that it, it, it really challenged me when I looked at that in Numbers. I think it's Numbers 20. Yeah, Numbers 22, verse 38. Amplified classic. <laughs> this one, for me, it's a challenge that should be a challenge for all of us. If you know what God has said, bind yourself and say, I'm not going to speak anything else except what God has spoken. Bind yourself and say, I'm not going to speak things contrary to what God has said. So listen to this. In the book of Numbers 22, 38, Amplified Classic. And Balaam said to Balak, Indeed I've come to you, but do I now have any power at all to say anything? Can we all ask ourselves that question? Do I have any power to say anything? Then he answers himself. The word that God puts in my mouth, that shall I speak. I like that. <laughs> Did you see what he said? He says, do I have any power to say anything at all? The word... That God puts in my mouth. You remember he said there in, in Isaiah, my spirit upon you and the word that I've put in your mouth. So he says, do I have power to say anything? Can we all ask ourselves that question? Do I have power to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth. That shall I speak. I like that. Amen. Because it means when he says, do I have power to say anything? Some of you, you say Jesus is Lord, but you don't allow him to reign in your life. Your tongue speaks whatever it wants. Your mouth, gossip, all the things. And the spirit of the Lord is hovering. The spirit is waiting to say, can she just speak something that's aligned to the word? Because I'm here to bring those things to pass. But when she's still gossiping, what does the spirit have to brood? 
What does the spirit have to bring to pass? There's nothing. And when you are still talking all the bad things, how things are terrible here on the earth, how children of nowadays do never amount to anything, they will always be in drugs and always this and always this and our families will always fall apart. The spirit is waiting. Do you think he can bring that to pass? No, it's not aligned to God's word. So Balaam says, do I now have any power at all to say anything? So there are some people who think they've got power to say whatever they want. He says, the word that God put in my mouth, that I will speak. Amen. I like this and I want this also to be some of our motto, some of us. Do I have power? So sometimes I think you must do this. When you have a challenge and your mind wants you to say a challenge, your mind wants you to say things that will destroy you, you need to say, do I have power now to say anything? And you realize I don't. Then you say, the word that God has put in my mouth, that I will speak. In other words, because my situation wants me to speak it, my pain wants me to be its ambassador. I'm not going to speak for it. Do I have any power to say anything? No. Only the word that God has given me that I will speak. Let me give you a simple example. You remember the story of Abraham when he was going to sacrifice his son. I want to show you how faith people talk. Okay? He's going to sacrifice his son. And as they were moving, the son says, here is the wood here is the fire. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? What do you think the answer should be there? There are two answers. One answer is the, the lamb is you. The other answer is we don't have a lamb. We are in need. But what does Abraham say? The Lord will provide. Don't you think that would be good even sometimes as parents? You know you don't have something. And the child comes and asks you, Mommy, we need this and this and this. I need this and this. Instead of you saying, you know we don't have, you know we can't even afford that. My son, let's trust God. The Lord will provide. And that child will grow knowing that in our family, we get things by faith. That child, son will grow knowing that we don't depend on what we are able to do. Because some of you, you've got big dreams and big visions. But you want your dreams and your visions to be measured by how much you work for. How much you earn. For me, I see what I earn as a seed. It's too little to make me, to, to meet my dreams. I'm a big dreamer. So therefore, I take that which I have worked for and plant it as a seed. Because I know it's not enough to do what I want. So therefore, I've got to plant it. And like the elder said, then the Lord would make it a hundredfold. Amen. And then that will then be sufficient for me to do what I want to do. Amen. Amen. So it means when he says, the Lord himself shall provide. I take it that you are speaking faith. Yes. 
And what happened? Indeed, the Lord provided exactly as Abraham had said. So if Abraham had either said, the lamb is you, then the Lord would not have had to provide. If the Lord, Abraham had said, there, there is no lamb for the offering, again, he would be blocking what God was going to do. So he says, my son, the Lord will provide. And I like children like Isaac. He didn't ask further questions. Just believe that if daddy says the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide. Amen. And indeed, the Lord provided. Go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. Verse 1 to 3, because in this one, like I'm saying, I'm connecting this with the cooperation between the Spirit of the Lord and the Word that you have. Because as much as we are teaching you about the Word, and we say we are a Word-based church, we tell you, we encourage you to confess the Word all the time. The Word, in isolation with the Spirit, will not be able to bring you results. Similarly, the spirit without the word will not be able to bring you the result that you need. So God says, my covenant with them is my spirit upon them and my words in their mouth. Now, Isaiah 61, 1 to 3 NIV says, I like this even when I pray, but I pray it from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18. But... Why I'm taking it from Isaiah today is because it goes more deeper. It's got more things in Isaiah. It says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. God said my covenant with them is my spirit upon them. So the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. You see, the spirit upon me is the anointing of God upon my life. So there are things in this life that when I'm exercising my faith, or maybe you're coming and we say we're going to pray for the sick. When I lay hands on you, I do that by faith and I know you've got faith. But there is the spirit of the Lord upon me. The anointing of the Lord upon me that will then bring the manifestation of what God has said. So he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. So the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim the word. Okay, now I'm going to take you through all these steps that Isaiah was saying here because it covers a lot of things in your life. So he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. My covenant with them is the spirit upon them and the word in their mouth. Now he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. So I'm proclaiming the word. If I proclaim a good news to the poor, what is the good news to a poor person? If you are poor, what would be good for you? What good news do you need? You will be rich. So if I'm proclaiming a good news to somebody who is poor, for them a good news is I can get out of this state. It's almost like what you guys do. Some of you, you do a bad thing, a wrong thing, especially wives. If your husbands are not walking in the ways of the Lord, maybe your, wife, your husband still drinks and he's a drunkard. And he comes back drunk. And you say, 
This alcohol of yours will kill you. I wish all your livers would be banned and you will die. You know, that's what he said. Do you think it's good news? He already knows that he's drinking. He doesn't need you to say it. So the good news is, my husband, I love you very much. Do you know that our family could even be much, much better if you know the Lord? Do you know that our things could work very well and we would have been very far if you had committed your life to the Lord and you served the Lord with us and as the head of this family, you lived from the front? Even if he's drunk, he will start thinking. Isn't it? Because he was expecting you to curse him, to shout and all that. Now you come with the good news. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. So when your heart is broken, you need to be mended. You see that? He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives. When you are a captive, you want to be set free. I want you to see how the word works for everything. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me. But then he gives me a word to proclaim. And as I'm proclaiming this word, those who are broken hearted, they will be healed in their hearts. That's why when you come to church, sometimes you come to church being very much down. And as the word is spoken, you, the Lord binds up your broken heart. But you find that we didn't all come with broken hearts in church. So when we come to church, we are like those people at the pool of Bethesda, having different needs. But the Lord wants to minister to each one of you individually through the same word. So to the broken hearted, he binds up the broken hearted. To those who are enslaved, who are bound, he frees them. And the release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So it means, some of you say, I really didn't come with anything binding me or pushing me down, no sickness, no that. So the word still comes and gives you the Lord's favor. That's why when you ask some of us, how are you, pastor? I'm blessed and highly favored. Amen. Because when you have the favor of God, things will work out well for you. God finds you in a certain place and then he takes you to better future. Amen. And as if that's not enough, he lifted me up. And he planted my feet on the king's highway. And that is the reason I sing and I shout. For Jesus came down and he lifted me up. Amen. I was in the deep mighty clay, but the Lord lifted me up and he planted me on the king's highway. Amen. 
You see, God, God takes us from any language. He started by, and then he went, he lifted me up. And now, the mother's the problem with most Christians is you don't acknowledge what God has done for you. You are keeping living like somebody who is still in the mud. So listen. After favor, it says, and comfort to all who mourn. It means there would be times sometimes when there are things that are making you mourn. But then he brings the comfort. He's not the one who makes you mourn. Things around you may make you mourn, but he brings comfort. And provide for those who grieve. To bestow on them beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. You see what the word of God does. So in other words, when the word of God comes in your situation, it will never leave you the same way. It will change you for the better. So it means when now we say the word of God, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and his word in my mouth, then you must speak the word that aligns to what God has said. You can't be speaking the word of your situation because that cannot take you to the desired future. Amen? So it means if we want to be taken to the desired future, we need to speak the word that aligns to where we want to go. So go with me to the book of Mark chapter 11. Or maybe before that, let's start with Matthew. Matthew 12, 37, Amplified Classic. He says, By your words, you will be justified and acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned and sentenced. Did you see what Jesus said? Some of you, you think you are failing because your neighbors hate you. Some of you think you are failing because people are standing on your way. Remember last week we said, some of you think, hey, people are standing on my way. But the word says, no one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. So, Jesus says, actually, your victory is as near as your mouth. But similarly, your defeat is also as near as your mouth. So, with your words, you will be justified and acquitted and be given victory. But with the same words, you can be condemned and sentenced. So, how do I sentence myself and get condemned? When I speak that which the enemy wants in your life. When I speak defeat. When I speak sickness. When I speak poverty. When I speak all the bad things happening. Then... I'm using my words to sentence myself. You don't even need to go to jail. 
but you've already sentenced yourself. Okay? So take a young lady who still aspires to get married. She keeps on saying, ah, you see, marriage is for some. Some of us will never get married. My sister, you are sentencing yourself. By your words, you are sentenced. Life without marriage. That's the sentence, isn't it? You, 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 you gave the sentence. That's what Jesus is saying here. So it means we have to be very careful what we speak. So it means we should rather be like Balaam to say, do I have freedom to say anything at all? The word that God has placed in my mouth, that I will speak. Amen. Because I don't want to speak anything else because I know the power of words. Words can give life, but words can also kill. Even in your own relationships. Do you know that some people don't have good words to tell other people? They, their tongues are bitter. Every time they open their mouth, it's like the poison of a snake. But your words can be healing. You speak to people and people feel encouraged. You come to a place where people were feeling down, but just because of your word, they say, now I feel much better. Now I've got hope again. But then sometimes you'll find the ways people speak to each other, even with you as husbands and wives, the way you speak with each other. No wonder that husband is like he's panel beaten when he's with other men. So you had a good panel beating at home. Okay? Because your words can destroy, your words can give life. Go with me to the book of Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. A man's moral self, amplified classic, shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth. You remember the thing, God says, my covenant with them is my spirit upon them and the word in their mouth. So those two things. So here now he says, a man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth and with the consequence of his words. The reason why I want us to do it in classic, amplified classic. Maybe Mr. MJ read it so that they don't think it's only in the pastor's Bible. Because it can be in your Bible too. Read it for us, Proverbs 18, 20 to 21, Amplified Classic. A man's moral self shall be filled with his mouth. Okay, so a man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of whose mouth? Your mouth. So because there are people who think my problem is because of so and so. My problem is my mother. My problem is so and so. A man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth. That's why even if people are gossiping about you, it makes no difference. You can gossip about me and say anything you say. It doesn't change anything because my destiny is not determined by what you say. My destiny is determined by what I say. I'm the master of my own destiny with my own ways. So a man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of whose mouth? With his own mouth. Mm -hmm. And with the consequence of he must be satisfied, whether good or evil. Do you get that? 
It says, with the consequence of your words. Tell your neighbor, your words have consequences. Ish. Can we all say ish? Your words has consequences. But it says, with the consequences of your words, you must be satisfied. Whether it's good or evil, your words has consequences. I heard this thing which I like. To say that your body and your circumstances don't know jokes. Your body doesn't know if you're joking or if you don't really mean it. It's like the example I said earlier when I said, I wish your liver could burn and then you die and that and that. The circumstance doesn't know that that's not your prophecy. The circumstance doesn't know, no, she's just ridiculing the husband. The circumstance thinks, oh, that's a wish. And the demons say, oh, okay. 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 <laughs> We've been invited. It's party time. So don't give party to the enemy. Because here it says, with the consequence of your mouth, you will be satisfied whether good or evil. 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yeah. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I always used to hear this thing, and I used to say that I think it's not that they knew. How many of you, you've had several people who would say, I just know this year I'm not going to finish it. I'm going to die this year. I just know. I just know. I'll not finish this year. I'm going to die this year. You've heard that, isn't it? And when they die, you say, they knew. No, they prophesied it. They spoke it into being because they had the power even if something was telling them they were going to die they had the power to be like Hezekiah you remember Hezekiah Hezekiah the man of God came to him and said Hezekiah you are going to die keep your house in order and Hezekiah thought it's ain't dying time yet so he faced the wall and said Lord remember Remember how I've walked faithfully before you. Hmm? And then the Lord had to say, okay, <laughs> the man's life, the, 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 the death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you are refusing to die. Okay, what about 15 more years? Yeah, 15 more years is fine. We can settle for that. You know that, that's Isaiah 38. Yeah. Somebody was told, you're going to die. It's dying time now. And that was the word coming from the Lord. Isaiah being the prophet sent. But the man said, uh, we need to agree with these things. It ain't going time yet. And the Lord understood him. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen. So let me... I know I've got many things to share with you on this, but let me rather land with Mark 16, verse 20. Now, let's, let's land with, okay, let's make two. Let's start with Matthew 8, 8, and then Mark 16, 20. Let me land with those two scriptures. I know there's many more things we can talk about the word of God above everything else, but there are times sometimes when we need to pack it. Okay? So I want us to just take those two. Matthew 8, verse 8, NIV. 
It was the time when the centurion had a servant who was sick at home. And the centurion comes to Jesus. And he says, my servant is sick at home. And Jesus says, I will come and heal him. I will come and heal him. But the centurion, I don't know if he read the book of Isaiah. My spirit upon you and the word in your mouth. Or maybe if he read Psalms 107 verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So he realized that instead of Jesus going there, can't he just send a word? So now, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. So if he was quoting a verse, I would say he was quoting Psalms 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. So now he says, send a word, say a word and my servant will be healed. And some of you will say, but you've got to be realistic. Just, just saying a word here, and you say the servant will be healed at home. We're not joking. We're talking reality. The child is sick. The, the servant is really sick. You see, the things of God are so simple that we miss them because we like reasoning. Because when this man said, send a word, and my servant will be healed, he knew that if Jesus could speak a word, it will happen there because the word has got no distance. And this day, technology is trying to make the word have no distance. Sometimes when I speak to the old man when he's at home, far north, hello, ah, and without even an hour later, within that second he answers. And the other time he said, Ish. But this thing, if somebody were to say, how big is the thing that can make you hear somebody here? You would have thought it should be a very big thing. But you just do this and I'm hearing as if you are here. Now, if with all the scientific development, the word can have no distance, you can speak to somebody overseas now. So why do you think I can't speak a word here and command sickness in the life of your parent at home? And that word can reach there. Amen. Amen. Because now, with technology, you can make it reach. But how much more in the spiritual realm? Amen. Speak the word only. And my servant will be healed. Amen. We learn with Mark 16, verse 20. Because when God said, my, my covenant with them, my spirit upon them and the words in their mouth. He wants us to live in victory. But we do not make the word of God come true. The responsibility to make the word of God come true is not mine. My responsibility is only to believe. Amen. Your responsibility is only to believe. We can't make the word of God come true. When I lay hands on the sick and I say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. That's what I do in faith with the anointing of God. But it is God's own power. 
that must make that word come true in your life. Amen? So that's why as a child of God, you must never be under pressure to make the word of God come true. Because you are not God. Amen? You speak the word, you believe the word, and let the owner of the word confirm his word. It is his word anyway. And how many of you know that God has been God before you were born and he will remain God even after you are gone? So he doesn't need your help. He is God. He is the self-existent one. We are the ones who need him. But what we need to do is that we need to be aligned to what God has said. And when I speak a word of God, I attract God's presence in that place. Because I'm speaking his nature. So God would come and then confirm that word in my life. Similarly, if you want to, in, to, to invite the devil, speak the devil's language. He knows that better and he will rush into the sea. Because of your words, isn't it? So listen to this. Mark 16, 20, New King James Version. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. I like this part about working with the Lord. We depend on God. If you don't depend on God, on God, you are going to do gimmicks in church. The reason why sometimes you find some pastors are under pressure to perform is because they want to make things themselves so that I can be popular, so that people will know that I'm better than the other pastor next door. Now, you've got a lot to carry on yourself. But if we just do the word and believe God and allow the owner of the word to confirm the word, then you will keep on running and not growing weary. You'll find that you come 20 years later, you find us still preaching the same thing, you find the same thing still working 20 years later. Amen? Because now here it says, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So it means, as I speak the word, as I live the word, the owner of the word will confirm his word. Tell your neighbor, allow God to be God. Let him confirm his own word. Amen. It's not us, it's him. So I want us to go to stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard. And just reflect on what Balaam said. Do I really have power to say anything? The word that God has placed in my mouth, that I will speak. That's a good resolution. Amen. So let's stand up, thank God for the word that we've heard, and then we'll have a bit of moment of prayer and beautiful prayer items that we're going to have.